Welcome to Crafting Solutions to Conflict, a podcast that will explore ways to preserve harmony and to prevent harmful conflict in valued relationships, and also ways to resolve conflict effectively and to restore harmony if damaging conflict should occur. We will delve into specific tips to manage conflict in life and into much broader topics touching on conflict, actual and potential, good and bad, in the world around us. I'm your host, Jane Bettle, and my goal is to share a perspective on conflict that is both practical and positive. My guest today is Scott Perry. Scott is the person behind the coaching program, blog, newsletter, broadcast, and perhaps most important, community, Creative on Purpose. We will talk a bit about creativity and conflict, among other things. Scott, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I'm looking forward to learning more about your work and your journey so far and what's ahead. It's really a thrill to be here, Jane. I really appreciate all the great work that you do and the chance for us to have this conversation today. I will ask you then to give us a little taste of what has brought you to where you are, obviously, particularly with regard to Creative On Purpose. Sure. So I have, for most of my adult life, been a husband and a father and a musician and a teacher. In 2016, I went through a program of Seth Godin's called the Alt-MBA with the idea that I was going to set the world on fire with a online guitar academy. And I exited that program deciding that I no longer wanted to be a musician at all and that I had something else that I wanted to pursue. Unfortunately, I didn't have a completely clear idea of what that was going to be. So what I did was I leveraged the community that you know is built around the alumni network from Alt-MBA and I did what you and I are doing. I had a lot of online conversations through my broadcast and podcast with people whose work I admired and whose work I respected. And that, coupled with a weekly blogging practice, helped me do what I call blunder my way to clarity. And I eventually, (laughs) it was not just the Alt-MBA experience, but I went through the marketing seminar session one and four as a student, and then became a coach in sessions five, six, and seven. I've coached in the bootstrappers workshop and the freelancers workshop. I'm currently coaching in a brand new program done in collaboration with Bernadette Giwa called the story skills workshop. And really all of these experiences and really digging deep into the work that other people are doing helped me come finally to this vision, this brand that I call Creative on Purpose. And Creative on Purpose is primarily a blogging and broadcasting platform about helping people level up and fly higher in endeavors where they seek to make a difference by doing work with and for people they care about. It also has a online community and a coaching program. All these things together help me connect with other people that, like me, are interested in enhancing their own lives by doing work that seeks to elevate the lives of others. So great to hear about that. And one word that I heard that is so meaningful to me is community. 
both the one that you build with the people you work with directly and the one that, although I have not gone as far into the Seth Godin community as you have, I have learned and benefited from it tremendously through the podcasting fellowship that I did towards the end of 2018. Community is really important because it's it's at the heart of the workshops, the Akimbo workshops and the Alta MBA that Seth has built because it's one thing to simply learn stuff. I mean, it's great and it, it's exciting and it can actually feel like you're doing something important when you are gathering dots, when you're collecting information, when you're learning new things and dancing with interesting ideas and new concepts. But change only happens when we're engaged in activities. And one of the primary ways that we learn is by sharing what we know with others and by teaching others and by reflecting and providing feedback on the work of others, but also digesting and assimilating the feedback that we're getting on our own work from others. So what coaching and participating in these workshops has taught me is that Community is really one of the magic acts that happen in these workshops. It's through working with others, through collaboration, through connecting and communicating that we make change happen, that we make things better because it's that interaction and that those exchanges that help us iterate and revise and improve in whatever enterprise that we're engaged in. Scott, you've just touched on again the the words and thoughts that I find so important, evolution and growth and iterations. And I'd ask you to tell us more about the basic ideas of creative on purpose. And I will warn you, I'm going to be particularly interested in what you have to say about collaboration, because to me, that is one of the most interesting places where your work intersects with the idea that I have of how conflict can be a positive thing when people collaborate and they have different perspectives. There are two underlying values that Creative on Purpose is built on, and that is intention and integrity. You should know what you're aiming at. You should know who your work is for. You should have a clear idea of who you are and what your values and guiding principles are. Because in order to be an effective change maker, your work has to intersect the line or at least complement the values and needs of other people. So collaboration is in some ways the most important, and I, I think of it as kind of the final principle. After intention and integrity, the guiding principles would be curiosity, the idea that we can look at things and ask questions and, and experience the wonder of what if, and is there a better way that this can be done, or is there a better possibility that we can step forward into? Then the commitment to actually engage in activities that are going to lead us stepping into those possibilities, the courage to do that, and then the collaboration, the, the ability to do that work with and for other people, because it's through collaboration that we're not only enhancing ourselves, but we're also enhancing the lives of others. And to your point about how this ties into your work and the idea of difficult, challenging conversations, change happens when we are doing things that make us uncomfortable. Any of us that are engaged in trying to make the world a better place, any of us that are engaged in trying to make things better or in making better things are setting our sights on the status quo as 
the obstacle. It doesn't have to necessarily be the enemy, but it is the status quo is what's getting in our way because the status quo is encouraging us to recognize our place, recognize our status in relationship to others, recognize the way things are. And it rewards us if we go along with and become confident and certain about the way things are as they are. And it pushes back on anybody that is seeking to make a difference by pushing at the edges, by trying to make something change, by making change happen in the effort of making things better. So the act of being a creative on purpose, a person that's creative on purpose, a person that's a difference maker or a change maker, there's going to be resistance. There's going to be resistance from the status quo and everybody that makes up the status quo. And then, of course, there's even our internal status quo. We are quite comfortable knowing or being who we are because that's our baseline. One of the reasons why people stay in unhealthy relationships is it's what we know. The devil we know, as they say. What will happen if I take a chance? So to me, the secret in all this is we have to drop our judgments We have to drop our certainty and our confidences, or at least our overconfidence. And we have to adopt this posture of consideration, considering that things don't have to be the way they are, that we don't have to be the way they are, considering the other point of view, considering that another person's perspective is just as valid as ours, because just like our point of view, it's based on their experience, based on their observations, their beliefs, their needs. And when we become more considerate, in the way that we look at ourselves, others in the world. We have the ability to have these conversations where we can all have a happier and healthier exchange and all be elevated and improve ourselves through those conversations. I think you've hit on two, to me, very important pieces. One is the process itself of this engagement, that it's more comfortable, it's more supportive, it's more compassionate, and also the outcome is likely to be better when people are able to engage in this positive way. And I particularly liked the words that you used regarding the status quo, to think of it not as an enemy, because I think that does capture that concept of judgment, but instead as an obstacle. This is a challenge that we can get past, that we are here right now. We need to figure out how to get ourselves moving again in a better way. You've touched on a couple of brilliant points right there. Compassion is, I think, the ultimate uh, state that we're, we're reaching for. We, there's a lot of talk around empathy right now. And empathy mm-hmm. is obviously a very important step in this process. We need to get better at seeing, hearing, and understanding what it must be like to walk in another person's shoes, to see the world from their perspective, to hear things in the way that they are hearing things. But it's not the last step. The next step is the step into compassion where we have gone past the effort of empathy and we are now going into the action of compassion where we are actually going to make a decision and choose to do something that is going to enhance the experience of another person. To me, that's that's the the importance uh, of compassion. Mm -hmm. What do you find in the people you work with, and I understand that is a self-selecting group, what do you find holds them back? What are the roadblocks that people, if you can say most often, I'll ask whether you can say most often, are the ones 
that get in the way. It really doesn't matter to me whether I'm talking about the students that I teach in my guitar studio or the people that I'm talking to that are friends and neighbors, you know, we're talking about community issues or politics or religion or anything else, or the people in Seth's Akimbo and Alt-MBA community. The thing that is getting in most of our way, most of the time, is the person that looks back at us when we look in the mirror. (laughs) Okay. We all have levels and experiences of dancing with fear, resistance, imposter syndrome, all these kind of inner voices that are telling us old stories that we believe about ourselves that we really need to change. And the thing to me that in in my work as a coach, but also just my own inner work, because I'm trying to get better at doing what I do with Creative On Purpose, or as a husband, a father, teacher, musician. I mean, if I'm improving myself, I have to tell myself better stories in order to do better in any endeavor that I'm seeking excellence in. So the thing about that, this idea that we have narratives in our head and we can change those is that changing the narrative in our head is actually pretty simple. The problem with things that are pretty simple is that they are never easy. (laughs) (laughs) So it's one thing for me to say, you can, you can change the story. You can change your story. And so in my book, Endeavor, I, one of the chapters is choose your story, choose your future. And I firmly believe that. The problem is that choosing, we find all sorts of ways to make it difficult for ourselves to choose a story that promotes our health and happiness over the stories that are holding us back and we believe are keeping us safe because it seems like we're making reasonable choices and not stepping into unknown, into the unknown, into possibility, into the potential for better. What I have found is that telling ourselves stories that promote our health and happiness and and help us cultivate a posture of stepping into possibility and framing things in a way where even challenges become opportunities and lessons. That's just a muscle that we can exercise like any other. Muscles get stronger by being exercised frequently and repetitively. Mm-hmm. That just requires the will, the commitment to to do it, to catch ourselves when we're telling the stories that are causing us harm and to pause and zoom out and reframe things in a way that allows us to see things in a more positive light. And the better we get at doing that for ourselves, the better we can do that for the people that we're, we're wanting to help. And what you've described, Scott, is so practical. It's not asking us to do something so vast that I can't even start because I'm overwhelmed by the idea, but simply catching myself when I'm falling into that practice, that habit, changing it into a different type of practice and habit. I think the other thing that's tremendously valuable is how you framed at the very beginning, that this is something that you see across the board. I think a lot of us can get ourselves convinced that, oh, gee, I'm the only one who, fill in the blank, and it's always something negative. I'm the only one who has this fear. I'm the only one who's ever experienced the imposter syndrome, even if I've read about it in the media, that it is a comfort and an important reminder that so many people struggle with these very same challenges. Yeah, well, that's a that's an excellent point. The noise in our head and each of our head is unique. It's our noise. 
But the noise in my head rhymes with the noise in Jane's head. There's enough similarities that we can start to see that although we are different people, we are not so different as we go deeper into just what it means to be human. What does it mean to be happy? And what does it mean to be more both? And how can we help each other get there? It's great, Scott. I have to say, I just love rhyme rhymes with it. And I will have families in particular contact me, adult families, extended families, and there will be a tone of embarrassment and a firm belief and completely false firm belief that ours is the only family that struggles. And that's because people won't talk about it. They're convinced they're the only ones. And just as you're describing it, Scott, I try to make sure people understand, although your situation is unique, the overall idea is not that unusual. Other people are having a similar struggle and have found a way forward, which is obviously the important part or one of the important parts. The other thing that you said that I thought was really worth underlining is what we're talking about here is actually fairly matter of fact and pragmatic. It's, It's not rocket science and it's not something that we have to go to school and study in order to understand and do. I have found that really simple frames can remind me that it's time to make a shift. And one of the primary ones, I use something about acting as if. And I had this phrase that I use whenever I'm coming up, whenever I'm in any moment where it's time to choose what's next. And I just simply say, what's now, what's next? What's going on here? What's really going on here right now? Let's take the lizard brain fear story out of our apart for a minute. Yes, this happened, but that does not mean that my wife is going to leave me. I'm going to go broke. I'm going to end up living under an underpass and then I'm going to die. (laughs) There it is. Oh, the cascade downward. Look out. What's really happening is I hit a rough patch that will likely sort itself out. Or if I just zoom out for a minute and reframe the situation, I could probably find a way to make this situation better. Sure. And even when we can't do that, there's still opportunity there because even when we have absolutely no control or no ability to influence what happens next, we still have the opportunity to use that as a chance to cultivate resilience, acceptance, patience, humility. You know, we, we every moment in our lives can be used as a moment where we can improve ourselves. And it's through improving ourselves that we're going to be in a better position to help improve the situation of others. And as you named off those, those four, I thought to myself, because I view things through this conflict perspective, the more each of us can develop a pool, a depth of resilience, of an ability to tap into that and use that when things are, as you say, in a rough patch, because we are going to be involved with some kind of conflict with other humans because we're humans. We're not robots. That it's very helpful to strengthen those muscles, as you phrased it in another context. I want to ask you a little bit, Scott, about the idea of finding your next endeavor, your next audience. One thing that I found really interesting about the way you set it out in a framework is I saw a three-circle diagram, Mm -hmm. a three-circle model. And some of my listeners who are involved in family business consulting know a three-circle model in that world. I found it just kind of caught my eye. Talk to us, if you would, a bit about how your three circles work together and help someone figure out 
what's next? Sure. So I think that the first circle is the most important. And the, just want to quickly make a caveat here. I am a huge fan of Simon Sinek's work. Start with why was a, an important insight that really caused me to think deeply about what does it mean to be purposeful and to find meaningful work. I would argue that before you go to why, it's really important to start with who. And before you can start with any other who's, you have to start with the who that is you. Yes. <laughs> and so who are you? And I think that we can distill that down to what are your core values? What are your guiding principles? What are the things on which you are not willing to compromise? What are the things that, you know, need those principles that you need to see in others in order to feel a sense of belonging and connection? So who you are is the first circle. Who you are is mostly about what are your core values? What are your guiding principles? The next thing is what you do, or you can think of that as your talents. So these are the skills and the soft skills and that you've cultivated over time. I would argue that the soft skills are in many ways more important, especially in this day and age where more and more things that can be done by machines and AIs are being done by machines and AI. True. They have not yet figured it out how to be a human being, how to be creative and empathetic. And that's a comfort. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I advocate leaning into those things in particular, but that's not to um, say that the skills that you learned on the job or in school aren't important, but those things make up your do, like what your talents are and help define the work that you're meant to do next. And then the third circle is where do you belong? What, where's your tribe? And I would argue that your tribe or where you belong is made up of people who share your values and need your talents to either enhance their lives through solving a problem that they have or because they have talents that would be complementary to you as a collaborator. And the intersection of those three things is where I think you can find the work you're meant to do now because you're going to have a very strong sense of who you are and what you're here to do and who you intend to do that work for. So it's just a that then is just a way of quickly drilling down into some of the possible things that you could consider as the work that you're meant to do now. And that can be work done in a relationship as a parent or a spouse or a sibling or son or a daughter, but could also be work done as an entrepreneur or as an employee. An endeavor is any enterprise that is worthy of your time, attention, and talent. I think that's what you've introduced us to. And we have time only for an introduction, but I think if people want to know more, they will be able to learn a great deal more through your book, obviously, through your blog, through your podcast. Tell us a little bit, if you would, Scott, about the best way for folks to get in touch with you and learn more about the work that you're doing, what you've done so far, and what's ahead. Sure. Well, if you want to reach me by email or check out some of the things that I've written. I have free handbooks available on my site, but also blog posts. Just go to becreativeonpurpose.com. Although I am in negotiations to buy the actual proper domain of Creative On Purpose, I, I haven't secured that quite yet, but becreativeonpurpose.com. If you Google Scott Perry and Creative On Purpose, the website will be the first thing that comes up. Um, if you just Google Scott Perry, I used to come up, but now some uh, House of Representative from 
Pennsylvania or a basketball <laughs> coach from um, New York comes up. So evidently creative people cannot compete with athletes and politicians, at, at least not yet. At least um, not on Google, maybe in more important ways. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do have um, I do have a very strong and loyal and engaged community of people on my email list. If what you read on creative on purpose or be creative on purpose.com looks at all interesting. I just encourage you to connect through the email list or connect with me directly through email, which is available there on the site. I will of course include some of this information in the show notes and encourage folks to take a look around because there is a lot that Scott is offering and it is easy to get to it, easy to start to think about it and learn from it and then go forward and perhaps to use your word, Scott, onward from there. Indeed. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to have you with us today, Scott. Thank you, Jen. I really appreciate the work that you're doing. And I know that helping people with difficult conversations is challenging work. I'm glad for people like you that are leaning into that and helping make the world a happier, healthier place. And I really am grateful for the opportunity to be speaking with you today. Thanks. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Crafting Solutions to Conflict podcast, please subscribe through one of the major apps. You can also find the show on the web by searching for Crafting Solutions to Conflict. For those of you who are new to listening to podcasts, here's something you may not know. Subscribing to podcasts is free. Comments or ideas about the podcast? Let me know at JB, as in my initials, at dovetailresolutions.com. Until next time, I'm Jane Bettle.